This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the piney woods of North Central Florida, which is rainy right now in God's country here uh, on Wednesday. And also, we are in the Manley Warthog Man Cave. And we're in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Fighting Gator. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. And brought to you by a lot of great sponsors, which we will feature as the time calls for it. Well, I'm kind of uh, killing time here because I hope my have my... Uh, Connections in order, uh, waiting on Ted Yoho. Ted and I sort of uh, assume, and we've never let each other down in that respect. I'm assuming he's there, uh, but God knows he could be anywhere. He could be in South Korea. But I think we're going to communicate with Ted in a moment. And while we're waiting on that um, connection, hopefully, because I don't have a lot to do if I don't have Ted today. I'm going to talk a little bit about the flack that the University of Florida president, uh, Ben Sass, is getting uh, from a lawmaker uh, claiming uh, that, um, you know, the University of Florida is not really pushing back on anti-Semitism, which is completely um, off the wall. Now, Channel 20 covered this, and... Um, the um, link is apparently to a retired instructor at the university by the name of Gwendolyn Zariah Simmons um, and has put on social media pages a lot of posts referencing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, express, expressing criticism of the Israeli government and the ongoing military campaign. So she retired in 2019, years before Ben Sass became president and was never a tenured president, uh, professor. So a fellow by the name of Fine in the Senate in Florida, as I understand it, is posting references to Simon's Wikipedia page, which states she is a senior lecturer emerita following her retirement from the University of Florida in 2019. Uh, and at her research has explored Islamic feminism and the impact of Sharia law on Muslim women. Well, I don't know what the purpose of that turmoil is, but I know that the president, Ben Sass, responded in pretty strong language. And I want to go through it with you and let you know uh, that uh, he's not a wilting lily. This letter is dated November 20th. It's out on Channel 20, in case you want to look at it. 
But he wrote this to the cabinet and to the deans. And he said, I just want you to know that I've gotten many versions out of this allegation all weekend. And he said to the cabinet and the deans that a tenured UF professor is supposedly forcing despicable anti-Semitic garbage on UF students in UF classrooms. This seems to have started from a member of the legislature in Tallahassee exaggerating on social media and sharing too-good-to-be-true check clickbait that he knows isn't true. I won't link here to the thirsty, now this is interesting language from the president of the University of Florida. I won't link here to the thirsty, attention, desperate post. I like that. I won't link here to the thirsty, attention, desperate post. And you wonder why the legislative member would do that. But be that as it may, Sass doesn't tippy-toe around the bushes and responding. So he says to his cabinet and his deans, but for our shared understanding, the claim is wrong on multiple counts. First, the individual in question does not work for UF. Second, this was an instructor, not a tenured professor. Third, the individual left UF in 2019 and hasn't been paid here for four years. Fourth, the anti-Semitic dribble was shared on social media, not in any UF classroom. So in short, the First Amendment does give everyone a right to make an abject idiot of themselves. <laughs> I have to stop and laugh about that. And that seems to be what this former instructor is doing here. So what to do? There are some benefits to social media. But over time, we're surely going to acknowledge its big downsides. Too much social media rots people's brains and entices folks to grandstanding stupidity. Now, that's the first president of the University of Florida I can ever recall using language like that. So I thought I'd share it with you and let you think about it. As I say, he's not beating around the bush. One of the temptations of our time is to give online screamers exactly the attention they want for their online screaming. Lots of the faux fighters drawing extra attention to online policy are accomplishing nothing that makes the world a better place. And instead, they are just fanning extra oxygen to shrill nonsense. Wow, isn't that some great writing? I mean, we almost call that purple prose in writing, and that is so uh, picturesque, shall we say. Uh, then he continues, and I see Ted coming on. Uh, that said, all the hyperbolic drama of the last 72 hours, my golly, he's in a fishing boat, uh, at least provides a helpful opportunity to pause and reflect on some of the fundamentals we believe here at the University of Florida. Ted, I'm reading a reply by Ben Sass to uh, a legislator in Tallahassee. And um, it was uh, considered by Sass kind of a cheap shot 
claiming that on Sass's watch, there was an anti-Semitic uh, professor in the classroom. And it turns out she hasn't been in the classroom since 2019. So uh, Sass is taking apart the uh, accuser and uh, has taken a good uh, moment to write language that is not timid in the least. I'll let it go at that now, sir. But it's uh, quite a letter. And, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't uh, do what Harvard's president has done or anything like that. Well, how are you, man? You look right. Right. Pretty relaxed. Happy free Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm out on the water with my son. We're checking our stone crab traps in the fabulous Florida Keys and uh, head back to get the grandkids and take them out on the water. Well, I did I interrupt your Wednesday. Earlier, having a problem with connection. But uh, that uncle you said on Ben Sass, I thought he was very poignant. I thought it was very, very, and I think he said what needed to be said in a very professional way and uh, called out uh, Representative Fine, who's a, who's a good guy. He just stacks wrong. And uh, so often this happens. Uh, you know, people will respond to something, it's a knee jerk reaction. And they, they, they do this stuff there, creates animosity and, you know, gets people around. And, uh, you know, I've been through that whole thing with uh, the AOC thing. And, you know, it's just the media run and that's their narrative. And that's stuff that has changed. And that's where shows like well, you're, breaking up, you're breaking up a little bit, but having you is better than not having you. Um, Plantation Mark is looking at your blue sky. I don't want to be disruptive. We may lose him. He's out in the water um, by an old man, I tell you. Uh, he'll check back in. Here he is. He's going to be checking back in. Uh, we're talking about a letter that Ben Sass answered a legislator with, uh, and the legislator didn't have his facts straight. You can check this out. It's posted on Channel 20's website, and it's uh, quite a quite a um, in-your-face type letter. If you're going to say things, basically, Sass is saying, uh, have it right when you say it. Otherwise, you know, it um, looks bad and it creates a lot of animosity or confusion for no reason whatsoever. Uh, we have 10 whatsoever. Can you hear me all right now? Can you hear yes, me? Yes, sir. Right? Plantation uh, Mark is, uh, is the... Plantation Mark is in rainy Virginia, so he's jealous. The Odyssey. I mean, this is absolutely gorgeous. My son and I, when we came out today, we saw porpoises. You know, just breaching and just playing around, and we just—it's just—it's a beautiful day in the Florida Keys. But I don't want anybody to know. It's actually—it's terrible. It's cold, it's windy, and rainy. Don't come down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, no. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. Well, I looked at what you sent me on Facebook, and I have to tell you—I mean, on uh, YouTube—about uh, that committee. Um, what can you say? I mean, that, was that the one I sent you on Mike Johnson, that committee? Yeah, and, and Naylor trying to give him crap. Naylor and then Hank Johnson talking about the Republicans and, you know, they want more guns and more guns don't make us safer. And, I mean, they are just way off base. I mean, those people are out of touch. Hank Johnson is way out of touch. He still thinks Guam's going to tip over if you put too many people on it. 
And uh, and for people that don't know Hank Johnson, he's a legislator out of DeKalb County, Georgia. And he was the one in, a, in a, one of the hearings questioning one of our admirals that wanted to put more people on the island, the Guam, military people. And Hank said, well, I'm afraid if you put that many people, that island will tip over. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so you can uh, YouTube the best of Hank Johnson. And uh, you got to wonder, these are the people running our country. And uh, anyways, but that hearing, the way they went after uh, Mike Johnson, and I think Mike Johnson did a spectacular job the way he defended what he was doing. And uh, Mike Cicilline at the end, who's a piece of work too, was saying, oh, now we know the real reason. We want to put the, the, the emphasis on defunding the police. And uh, that's what this whole thing's about, and not the January 6th. And it was just political theater that they do so well in Washington. And Mike Johnson, I thought, was very good the way he handled everybody on that. And I think that's a, a sign of the leadership he's going to have as uh, the Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson was excellent. He, he sure was. He knows how to think, and he knows he smell. He knows a rat when he smells it. And what they were trying you know, to do, what they were trying to do there, Ted, was cram irrelevant, superfluous information into a bill that had nothing to do with it. And he he caught it, and he stopped it. And um, right. you, you see very little of that at any level of government. You see very little, little I, I got to tell you, even in the classroom. Um, and, and the reason in the classroom it occurs is they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you see. You know, feelings. Well, yeah. They need to get over that because people are there to grow up and deal with life. You know, you're, you're. Ted is bobbing on the waves and uh, and the keys, so we'll get him back in a minute. We lost you there for a minute, Ted. Okay. I apologize. I can turn off the video if you want me to. That might make it stronger. Let's try that. Production thinks that'll make it stronger. Try that, Ted. That. That's stronger, I think. All right. Yeah, I think it's strong. Um, if we can lead uh, uh, the Republican House and focus on some things that we need to focus on as a party to set this country right back on the on the path that they should be, I think it'll be a good thing in the next elections. And of course, Trump is just showing stronger and stronger every day. And um, you know, I look for everybody else to drop out of the race. I mean, he's going to be the, the nominee, no doubt about it. And then we're going to have to deal with the aftermath of what the the liberal left progressive communists are going to do, and when they mobilize Antifa again, and you know all the other organizations, um, it's going to be interesting to watch. This is going to be a very interesting election season. And well, impactful, significant. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people don't trust it to be run fairly. No, they don't, and they shouldn't. I mean. Again, this goes back to Nancy Pelosi when she did the People's uh, Choice Act that changed the election law, federal language that was going to be thrown to the states, but the federal government has no 
bearing on state election laws, but yet it was the language that passed in the House that, that last Congress I was in. Um, and then they ran it again, and, and they changed the name, and they're very good at doing this. The John Lewis Civil Rights Voting Act. You know, and if you vote against that, you're a racist. But that was the one that put federal money into uh, federal elections that the American taxpayers were paying for. And no voter registration, no signature verification, no residency verification, mail-in ballots, drop boxes, extended times. These are how they, they, they cheat on elections. And I don't want to call it election fraud. It's just blatant cheating is what it is. And uh, again, if the Republicans were to do that, oh man, they would be up in arms. Oh, you're you're suppressing uh, the minorities, and uh, that's what was interesting about that other thing I sent you, the democracy democracy ish. Uh, and if you right. have time, you know, later we can talk about that. No, I'll talk about that, and um, also there's some other things we can talk about. Um, the um, Got a question here that I, this helped me understand it. Tuberville, can you talk about what he is position he's taken with the military that seems to have them all upset? Yeah, yeah, you got to commend somebody that is willing to stand up like that against the um, the establishment because his big thing is he wants to get rid of the wokeism. Um, all the equity, uh, all that stuff, and he will not support any nominees for the military until they remove that language. And, you know, he's standing on principle, and I think we need to have more people in Washington willing to stand on principle. And I'm sure there's a point where he would he would uh, compromise, <clears throat> but I haven't heard anybody offer him a good compromise. And the, the crazy thing is, you're getting some Republicans sign with the Democrats to go against him uh, under the guise of national security. But our our country is so off track of what we're doing that withholding uh, military appointees is not a threat to national security. When we look at our debt, when we look at our borders, when we look at China, there's other things that they should be focusing on. And if they would just get rid of this garbage that they're trying to. Um, put into the military that has nothing to do with national security, but it's all a political agenda, and they're using the military for social engineering. And this started under Obama. Oh, yeah, Obama. Obama advanced a bunch of the the lower ranks and moved them up and bypassed people because they followed his agenda. And I don't know who said his agenda. It's the world elite, I think. Well, you know, this is being used as kind of a litmus test uh, for conservative and liberal. Here we have SAS taking a strong position. Uh, and here we have also Iowa. A diversity, equity, and inclusion, according to Breitbart here, took a hit in Iowa when the state's board of regents there voted just a couple of days ago to curtail all of that business in its university system. Um, they're tired of it. It's not helping. As anybody. they should. Yeah, You know, and, and it's these corporations pushing that stuff, too. You know, um, I heard a, 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 I think it was a Walmart or a Target ad the other day, and it had a, 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 a flagrant gay person speaking. And I have got nothing against gays, but it's it's their marketing this 
as the mainstream, and I, I think they should stay neutral on that. I know that's going to irritate some of your listeners, and you know, I get labeled something, but you know, I think the people that know me know how I am. And it's it's corporate America and their their liberal boards that are pushing this stuff. It's like what they did with Coca Cola. Um, you know, we're seeing this. And I think that's a dangerous thing when corporations can start getting into social engineering along with our government that mandates stuff, um, you know, instead of letting the free will of the people decide markets. Uh, I think that's a scary direction that we're heading in. Well, diversity, equity, inclusion is code for uh, the opposite of meritocracy. And yeah. for, it to, for it to occur in the university is um, unthinkable. Why would you kick out meritocracy in a university for the purpose of making oh. money? Huh? I don't know. That's uh, 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 and, and again, you've heard me reference um, Samuel Huntington in the class of civilization. Uh, that, you know, their goal is to uh, remodel the world. And um, it's changing. The world is changing. And these people that are driving all this stuff are wanting to change it in their image instead of sticking on to the old tradition. And I think we've advanced a lot as a country, you know, through the conflicts we've had from the Revolutionary War on. And, um, you know, they're trying to do this rapid change. And again, it goes back to Obama. The fundamental transformation of America. We're seeing it. We're living in it. And I, for one, do not like it. That was one of the reasons I ran um, but we need to have a bunch of people going in at the same time that are like-minded that say, we're going to fundamentally transform Washington and get government to do what they're supposed to be and what they're bound to do by the Constitution. The Federalist uh, has a big publication that Barack Obama is still forcing his unwanted, quote-unquote, change on America. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. But he's, he's smart enough... He's he smart enough to do it, that. He now calls it change collective. Yeah, and, uh, well, yeah, yeah. A community-based leadership initiative, claiming it's to empower emerging leaders to quote unquote bring people together. You know, if ever anybody needed to, uh, to learn code and language, it's now because when Obama says bring people together, he lives, he leaves out an adjective. Bring like kind people together. He leaves that out. No, he does. You know, and they're very good at messaging and things like that. And um, again, it, it is his agenda and the people that put him in power. Um, and that, I mean, they're, they're exactly, that's what they're doing. And that, that again, that, that group I came across, democracy-ish, I mean, their whole thing is, is talking about that. Uh, you know, they're saying that it's, it's all the white supremacists that have run this country, and we've suppressed everybody else. And so they're gathering all the minorities to go against the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, the WASPs, as they're referred to, which would include you and I, because we came from that heritage. But they're saying we're the ones that are suppressing everybody else. But by God, when you look around this country and the success immigrants have had from the beginning of the country, 
Yes, there's been suppression. Yes, there's been slavery. Yes, there's been all these things. But it's a progression of where we started to where we are today. This country is still the greatest country in the world. And these people are trying to change it to turn it into a third world country. And if you want to look at a great example, look at the, the leaders in uh, England, uh, France, um, uh, Scotland. Uh, the one in England said the best thing for you guys to do is learn Arabic, learn how to speak Arabic. And, wow. you know, I'm sorry, but I think if you come to a foreign country as a foreigner, you should adapt and assimilate. And I think there's no question about that. It's like if you invited somebody into your house, you know, to come stay with you for a short period of time, they're like, Lord, I don't like this. Stuff. You should get a new one. And, um, you know, I don't like the food you're feeding me. You should get, you know, I want you to start feeding this stuff. I mean, we throw them out of the house. Why we don't do that in this country? I just like, oh, I appreciate where you're coming from, but this is the United States Constitution of the Republic. These are our rules. This is our traditions. And if you don't like it, you know, you're welcome to leave and let the, you know, let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out. Well, I'll read you a paragraph out of this Federalist now. I'll send the article to you later. Um, and it's full of this code language we're talking about. Uh, the Federalist points out that uh, currently Obama's initiative focuses on urban communities with pilot programs in Chicago, Detroit, and Jackson, Mississippi. But the ultimate goal is to flood the nooks and crannies of all of America's local communities, and here's the buzzwords, with quote-unquote change makers and quote-unquote influencers. There you go. That's, been that's exactly... That's yeah, exactly... Who recruit people into accepting a woke narrative and to silence any voice of dissent. <laughs> and tell me they're not executing this extremely just, I mean, it's, it's to the teeth. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. And if you go back to when Obama got out of office, he and, he and Holder started uh, an organization and I forget what it was called. It was something like One America or something like that. And their whole goal was to go around and start at the local levels and get local politicians elected at the city, county, state election. And then to move on up to the federal because they wanted to change the system from within. Now, look who you have in office today. Look at who the DAs are in these counties. Uh, was started by Eric Holder and uh, Obama and the people that are backing him. And their whole thing is to tear this country down. And anybody that's been to any of the European countries, Belgium, Germany, and um, uh, England, France, uh, 20, 25 years ago or 30 years ago, and you go today, you won't recognize the country. And then for the mayor of, of some of those, uh, or prime ministers of some of those countries saying, well, the best nation I give you is learn Arabic. Um, I think, you know, that, that's fomenting civil war because you're coming in and telling me, of course, it happens over a 10 to a 15 year period of time. So the new generation is growing up and they've been conditioned, as we're seeing with in our country, with all the ESG and uh, equity and all that stuff that they're training our young kids and the transgender thing that, oh, this is normal. We should accept this. 
And, um, you know, it is, things are going to change. Um, it's not the change I want, but you and I are dinosaurs uh, in this, in this uh, cycle. We're on the, the, on the downside of the peak of the hill, and um, we've got to, hopefully, the younger people will stand up and say, no, this is not the America I want to leave for my kids. It's not the one I want to hear it, and it's not the one I want to pass. I'll close with this before we take a break for the weather. Um, this is all umbrellaed from many groups. One of them is called Change Collective. Uh, these type of groups that he has organized with influencers are all under the umbrella of something called the Civic Nation. Now, who could quarrel with that for a name, right? Civic right. He's very clever, very clever. Yep. Full of hard left people who are consolidating political power um, in this clearinghouse of collectives. Wow, wow, wow. Don't yeah, take I'll be back in a minute, Ted. Talking with Ted Yahoo is floating on the water in the Keys, but nevertheless is with us loyally. What can you say? We'll be right back with the weather, which where Ted is is delightful, where Plantation Mark is ain't so delightful, and where we are is rainy. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. The Kiera Grace Foundation proudly presents An Evening with Tim Tebow, Thursday, November 30th at the Touchdown Terrace at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Experience a once-in-a-lifetime VIP meet-and-greet with Tim. Hear his heartfelt stories and his unyielding dedication to the most vulnerable. With your support, we can extend the reach of the Kiera Grace Foundation to save precious lives in Latin America. Get your ticket before they sell out. Don't miss your chance to meet Tim Tebow, be inspired, and make a tangible difference. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Gas Stations. Well, we're getting rain here at the uh, Manly Warthog Command Center. And uh, we're not getting really what Atlanta and that area has gotten. Most of that really heavy weather went north of us. But we did get some of it. We need it as much as we can get. Uh, We haven't started hauling hay yet, but we're getting close to it. And uh, as long as the cattle got their heads on the ground, we do supplement with some feed to keep them uh, going and some minerals, but uh, we're coming up to it soon. So the uh, weather for Thanksgiving is probably going to have a lot of travel delays. But what would Thanksgiving be without travel delays? It's that time of the year. So get ready for a winter chill in Denver. Uh, but what would you have in Denver at this time of the year without a chill and snow for the mountains? So it's a blessing. Uh Take advantage of it if you like to ski and get out there right away. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho. We're going to try talking with Ted on the phone. Let's see if that's a little clearer. Of course, Plantation Mark says you need a a satellite uplink, uh, Ted. He would, you know, being the master chief, (laughs) he would know how to do that. Tell him, go ahead and send me one. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead and send you one. But we're going to, I think you're sounding pretty good. Uh, Mark says he's been all in A since early October. Well, uh, we haven't been doing it here yet, Mark. Some people have, but not 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 here. We got a lot of grass. But uh, Ted, um, we were talking about how clever and committed Obama is to his Obamanization. Uh, it's almost a dirty word, isn't it? Obamanization of the country and. Um, the Federalist has got him nailed and has really got a good article about it. And I want to send it. And uh, I don't know if we can link it later on the uh, uh, board's hot bulletin board or not. But it it absolutely is something. I wish the – and we can talk about this for a minute, Ted. The GOP had an antidote for. I don't know that they do. No, they don't. You know, and I was just thinking that when you were talking – the Democrats, you know how they stick together their lockstep, they're, they're following the same orders, they all do that. The Republicans don't do that. The closest we came to doing that was the Tea Party movement. And again, that was an organic movement. There were no leaders of that. Leaders emerged within that. Different organizations popped up. But that was the most unity we had on the conservative side that I've ever seen in my life. And of course, the left now wants to demonize that because the Tea Party movement morphed into the MAGA movement. And, of course, now those are the domestic terrorists that the, the left is trying to, to go after. And, uh, and, and in the meantime, they're very uh, lockstep in what they're doing to do this fundamental transformation. 
And it is not the America we grew up in. And I don't expect it to ever stay the change or stay the way it was. It's always going to change. But those things that should not change are our founding principles, our core values, and our Constitution. Because that's what sets America apart from any other country. And these people, and I call them enemies of the state. They really are because they're trying to fundamentally change this country away from those principles. And uh, that's really, to me, is treason. You know, the stuff they're accusing Trump of treason. You know, Trump was fighting to defend the base, those things we just talked about, the founding principles, core values, and the Constitution. Um, and, and they want to hold him and say he's uh, treasonous. You know, he's in contempt. Uh, he's trying to destroy our democracy. And this is where semantics do play. Because it's not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic that uses a democratic process. And uh, these people on the left are using their narratives to, to hide their agenda. As you said, um, the agenda's out there, but they hide it under the guise of, look what the Republicans are doing. They're trying to destroy this country. We're the ones trying to save it. They're the ones that are destroying it and rebuilding it. And again, um, they're trying to rebuild it in AOC's um, vision of a, uh, a socialist utopia based on Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro's Venezuela. It ain't America. And I, I, I for one, cannot go along with it. Well, furthermore, it's so, it's so well detailed here. Um, the place where most of this is, takes seed, according to the article of the Federalist, is in academia. And this goes yeah, right to yeah. what we opened the show with, with Ben Sass taking a very strong position that, you know, we're not doing that here on my watch at University of Florida. I'd love to get that guy on the show. Um, I think he'd come on. I think he'd probably get him. Um, so that, that's really uh, political activist training is what Obama's up to. Political activist training. And I suspect it's being financed largely by Soros. It's being funded by Soros, but it's also being funded by the Department of Education. That's true. You know, the, the teachers' unions are in there. They're protecting, you know, the free speech and uh, these these professors. You know, when I was in Congress, I had, you know, campaign volunteers, you know, the students, asked their professors if I could come in and speak. And they said, oh, no, we don't want him in. I did have one professor that allowed me to come in. And he was very nice. He was very polite. He's very left wing. Um, and he let me come in, didn't say a word. Um, it was like he appeased the crowd and that was it. But for the most part, I had students that worked with us that said that their teachers shoot them down anytime they bring up the conservative arguments. And, uh, and, and, and so people are afraid to speak out. Uh, and I think, it's, well, I, I don't think, I know it's a very dangerous way for this country to be. Uh, because that is the next generation of leaders that we're dependent on, and uh, they've been mis- misled. Well, that time you were uh, bushwhacked, if you will, uh, by students who you had said something about, well, I'll take you to the range if you want to learn how to shoot. Of course, they took that as a right-wing, hysterical support of guns. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They sent those kids after you. That was all organized because I researched it. By change.org. And the little. And that goes back to Obama. Yeah, the little girl who 
was the articulate one. She was very bright. Was Harvey Ward's daughter. And oh, is that right? That's right. That's right. Harvey Ward's daughter. And, oh, good. Producing a good socialist. Yeah, and he is now the mayor, and all the dots connect. I mean, they appeared as if, oh, I just run for mayor. No, it's all in there together. And even using the children to advance this under the guise of some sort of open and honest debate, uh, which it wasn't. And I remember that I got involved with that behind the scenes research of who these people were. And I, you know, I, knew- I forgot about that. When that group of students came in, I forget how many there were. There was, you know, half a dozen. I think she was the youngest one. Yeah, go ahead. And we met in our office in Gainesville. And they're all telling me how guns are killing people and how they're bad and we don't, we should get rid of them and outlaw. And I says, how many of you have ever fired a gun? And they look like a deer in the headlights. Not one of them raised their hands. None of them have ever shot a gun. I said, I find it's interesting that you want to take away one of the founding principles of our countries, the, the Second Amendment, and you've never fired a firearm. And I says, and you need to understand why we have the Second Amendment. And if any of you are interested with your parents' permission, I would be happy to take you and them out for the gun range and teach you how to shoot, you know, and learn the sport of hunting or the sport of shooting. You know, I, I personally like shooting traps and clay pigeons. I don't have to clean them, and uh, I, I just think it's a good time. Well, you were set up, and you were set up by change.org. You think? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, um, yeah. I got more of that story. I'll so, tell you. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we can sit there and do the rhetoric. We can talk and bitch moan and complain about this stuff. But we need to have action. That's where the left excels and outpaces us by by light years because they have action plans. We have complaining plans. And, you know, that's why Trump, he's an imperfect candidate, but he is the best one to bring about a social change, to prevent the social change we're going through. And, um, you know, um, let's just hope he can survive this. Well, the uh, reaction they have to him is, I would say, in direct proportion to the fear they have of him because they can control just about anybody else. They can't control him. Yeah. They can't even control him in the courts or they think they got him cornered. He doesn't, he doesn't behave like a cornered person. Um, right. You know, and it's driving them crazy. And I, it sure is. It, it is really um, unsettling, shall we say, to think about the election not going well <laughs> and the opportunity, the chances for it not going well because of all sorts of reasons right. we're covering are very, very good. Well, and if you think about it, the Donald Trump movement is the biggest impediment of what they're trying to do. They want to finish that fundamental transformation of America, and he is their biggest roadblock. And that's why we need to rally around him. And there's a project called Project, I think it's 2025, because there's roughly 2,025 positions that need to be filled in the White House. 
in the next administration if it does change. And I, let's hope and pray it does change. Um, and then get those filled as quick as we can. And if you go back to when he got elected, how the Democrats locked pretty much every position he put up that needed Senate confirmation, they blocked it. And then the news would say, he can't even pick a cabinet. No, he's picked a cabinet. He's picked these agencies. The Democrats are stopping it. And see, the media is complicit in this whole uh, uh, movement of change. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up. I thought I'd jump over this article just for the heck of it. Soaring food prices. Um, I don't know if you got an idea how much they've gone up. I haven't, but according to the Consumer Price Index, they're up 18%. Um, I would believe that, yeah. Yeah, the average price like of a pound of butter. A pound of butter is over $5 at the store we went to the other day. Well, the average price of a Thanksgiving meal, according to the examiner, for 10 people this year is $61.17. And this is the American Farm Bureau Federation. Compiles the cost estimate. per person? Uh, for 10. For 10? Yeah. Now, that's not bad, but you're getting 10 in bulk. Uh, that's a, but they say this is almost a 5% uh, 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 increase. Now, Thanksgiving dinner, cost of Thanksgiving dinner is 25, not 5% higher than it was in November 2019. So uh, the the uh, food, you would think, would make an impression on people. Uh, I guess maybe it doesn't. Maybe they, because it's kind of spread thin, if you think of almost a 5% change in your food price, why, maybe they think, oh, well, maybe they think that Little small hits, okay, we can get by. But after a while, the little small hits are big hits. So I don't do the shopping, but um, you went in and set up a pound of butter. How much? It was over $5 for a pound of butter. Wow. Uh, Milk's gone up. Uh, Yeah, I mean, everything's gone up. And, you know, there's going to be a breaking point. And I've had people call me and tell me that, you know, the credit unions and the banks are the highest level of um, late payments coming in on vehicles. <laughs> That's an indicator because if people are buying food, you know, trying to survive, they're going to be late on their payments. Or we could do like AOC tells people, just go shoplifted if you need it. Ah! Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah, she means it. I mean, that was her solution. And that was the whole thing that I approached her with. Like, are you serious? This is the best you can offer people? <laughs> And for that, she got highly offended. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, she gets offended easily. God bless her. Yeah. Have you been um, taking any uh, comments in your group about uh, where we're going in the Middle East? No. um, The Middle East, I don't want to say was a distraction, but it took everybody off of what was going on in Ukraine and China's economy. Middle East happened, and it was it was an atrocious thing, heinous. And you know, I think the response that Bibi Netanyahu is doing is the appropriate one. When you've got people that are willing to invade your country by kites and you know, hang gliders and all that stuff, and they come in there and they did what they did, those people don't deserve to be alive. You know, I'm not for killing people, but I think the arrangement 
of a meeting between them and God should happen sooner than later um, by whatever means they need. Well, you know, um, the other thing that the um, press has the ability to do, I was thinking about this, is just eat up. How shall I say this? Um, Focus on events. The focus on events. Already, I get the sense, and this is a kind of a hard way to say this, that for the American public, <laughs> that event is already in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Do you follow it me? It really is. Yeah. It, it's in the rearview mirror. Which is a shame because that was such a, <clears throat> a terrible thing. And, you know, if you, if you look at the time period, Hamas attacks, they kill, I forget what the number is up to now, but it was over 1,500 people. Then the kidnapping, the raping, the beheading of the children. Just think about that. I, I don't even want to tell you to visualize it because it's something you can't unvisualize. And then Israel does the appropriate response, and then they get blamed for genocide. And this, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a democratic playbook. They do something bad, defund the police, and then they call out the Republicans. Republicans for saying they want to fund the police and that um, the, the, the crime problem is because of the democratic policies in those cities. And so they, they're good at flipping the narrative and saying, see, you guys are the bad ones. because This is all about just saying the increased crime. And then they blame that on guns and all that. And we know the guns an inanimate object that can't hurt anybody unless there's somebody behind it with um, bad, bad intent. Or not well educated in the use of a firearm. How about China and the situation there? Has anything changed? Did you get a chance to see my interview with the China lady? No, I have not. Uh, but I, I, uh, I think I sent it to. Was you. listening to. Yeah, you did. Um, I was listening to a foreign policy podcast, and that's where I came across that democracy issue. In that podcast, it was on the Xi Jinping and uh, Biden uh, at, at the APAC meeting in California in Woodland. And APAC is the Asia-Pacific Economic Council. And it's the countries from that area, they all get together. And they're highlighting what a successful meeting this was between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping and how much America got, but we didn't have to give up anything. And the things that they got was like five or six climate change meetings with John Kerry. And they're saying this was such a huge win and how China says they're going to they're going to do this. And, you know, and it's just all rhetoric. They didn't approach China at all on, you know, the espionage, the setting up police stations in America to arrest their citizens and um, the coercion they're doing in the Asia Pacific. Nobody's called them out on that. And, uh, you know, it was just a a feel-good meeting so they could put it in the press and say, look how strong Biden has been on that. But he he didn't call them out on anything that was tough. Um, It was just on stuff that China could show up at a climate change meeting, not their head. Oh, yeah, we're going to help on that, but they're not going to do it. You know, they're putting in a coal-powered fire plant or uh, power plant once a week somewhere in the world. And I think they, if the number serves me correctly, they've got over five years of mined coal in their country. It's just sitting there to be used uh, because they don't have any intention to get off that. 
You know, one of the Biden's going to say this was a win. I agree with you totally. One of the things that stuck in my memory from interviewing the uh, the teacher was um, she was talking about food in China, and uh, everybody in China cooks on gas. And I got to thinking about they do what cook on gas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cook on gas. And and I got to thinking about that. Well, now, wait a minute. Isn't Biden trying to go around killing gas cooking? I mean, what is he talking about? You know? You suppose he said all that to Xi Jinping that you got to get rid of your gas oven? He ain't going to tell him that. All of China cooks on gas. Right. No, I agree. So what do we got? We just got window dressings, what that meeting was all about. Absolutely window dressing. There was nothing else going on. It's all window dressing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely uh, nothing else going on. It was it was disappointing. Nobody calls them out. That's what gets me is that, you know, the Obamanization of America, he's getting away with it. Um, cramming the woke agenda into the academic world, he's getting away with it. Every once in a while we have a Ben Sass or Iowa border regents, but and then you got Harvard and all that crowd, and uh, they're liberal. Um you know, it's it, it, it really something. Uh, I was thinking about how you can figure out, Ted, who is a Democrat and who's a Republican. And it goes back to the Constitutional Republic. The, Repub- the Republicans believe that we're subservient to a document that is written to get us to behave according to God's laws. The Democrats believe that document is a changing document, right? That there's nothing absolute about it. So what I have found, and this is, check me out with this. The Republicans believe that there are absolute definitions of evil, for example, ethical definitions that are, you know, they don't change. The Democrats don't believe that at all. It's all situational. And you can see it in something. You're absolutely right. Do you think I'm on on something there? No, you're absolutely right. You know, because the the Constitution, it's very explicit on what the federal government can do and what the state, what's left up to the states. And that which is not um, stated in there that the federal government can do it falls to the states, and uh, that's the way it was written. And like you said, I, I think you're spot on. The Democrats, oh, no, we can adjust it to this. Yes, you can adjust it, but the way you do that is through constitutional amendments. It's a very painful, long process. And so that what they do is they circumvent that and come up with this living, breathing document that it was never intended by our founders. And if you go back... And again, you've heard me talk about that James Madison book. Uh, um, uh, and he, he outlines the arguments in there, but he also brings in, you know, the Ben Franklins and everybody else that was involved in that on their thinking and the process that went into that. Keep in mind, our document, you know, not just the Declaration, but the Constitution, those weren't penned in that day out of thin air. Those were from trials and tribulations from the beginning of time because these people are so well read 
uh, about the Greeks and the Romans and, you know, the Magna Carta and all these other things that have led us to this document. And it really is when you study it and you look at the ability for self-rule, self-governance, it is probably the most perfect piece of words ever put together, a mass. And they're simple and they're, they're, anybody can understand them. And um, it's the way it should be. Well, I, I, uh, I, that came to me as a kind of a conclusion to all the things we've been talking about. I thought, what really is here the fundamental difference? And I think that you could draw that line in the sand and you'd understand. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. We believe in a, a fundamental, a constitutional republic. They don't. Um, we believe in the way America is and has been, and they don't. They want to change it. And I think they could change it, but just go to a different country and change it in that country. Leave us the hell alone. Or they could I'm change sorry. it according Leave us to the heck alone. They, or they could change it according to the method available to change it, which is too difficult. Right. They don't right. Want to go to that. Right. I mean, look at all the constitutional amendments at that. You know, the uh, the 22nd one, I think it was, uh, or prohibition, and then they got rid of prohibition. And so they changed these things. And they go through the proper process. Um, and I don't have any problem with that. I just, I hope our leaders are inspired or aspire to preserve the founding principles, core values of the Constitution, pass it on to the next generation, and allow them to change it to fit what they need. You know, it's like uh, the argument on slavery is really interesting. When you study history, how uh, that came about and how they um, they wanted to get rid of it, but they knew they couldn't even bring it up or they would never have been a, a constitution signed uh, by the southern states that were the slaveholding states, which incidentally turned into the Democrat states that did KKK and the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. The minorities circle around and those are the ones that were the most suppressive and uh, the worst on well, we're about out of time, Ted. So um, by now, I think you uh, uh, have had your traps. Maybe your son's checked the traps where you've been talking. But uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll hopefully see you soon next week. Uh, by the way, listeners, we will not be doing a show tomorrow, Friday. So um, have a great Thanksgiving. Ted, you have a great Thanksgiving, you and your family. And uh, thanks for checking yeah. in with us today. So you're not doing a show tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. No show tomorrow or Friday. Okay. All right, man. Well, you take care. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Same to all your listeners. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I will be stationary next week. All right. All right. Ward on Command Center out. Later. Bye.